coming to you from Corwell Health. This is your house call. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 21% of U.S. adults experienced a mental health condition in 2020 alone. There's been a rise in the number of mental health conditions due to a variety of reasons worldwide. Today, we'll be hearing from four experts who will be sharing small steps you can take to improve your mental well-being and support each other in your journey. We'll be discussing how nutrition affects our mental health, how moving our bodies help, shifting our mindset and mindfulness, and the importance of sleep. Let's remember, mental health is health. To kick things off, Dr. Lindsay Bolt Bertram, a clinical psychologist, shares what it takes to develop a healthy mindset. Hi, my name is Dr. Lindsay Bolpe Bertram, and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist working in an outpatient clinical practice. And I am here today to talk with you about our mind, how to have a healthy mindset um, and what that can mean for our everyday life because we know that there are so many important connections between having a healthy mind and having a healthy body. So we're gonna chat a little bit about a couple strategies that I think are incredibly helpful. Um, the first of which is to really pause and think about our thinking. We have a million thoughts every day as we're constantly evaluating and making judgments about the world around us. And so sometimes though, our thoughts and judgments might not be accurate to the situation. So ideally what we wanna do in that situation is slow down and take a look at those thoughts to identify whether or not they're realistic. So we're evaluating our thoughts rather than just blindly accepting them. Once we've looked at them and said, hey, is this realistic? Is this actually likely to happen? We wanna challenge it, right, to say, could this be true or could there be other things that could be true? And then we reframe that thought to help it be more balanced. So we're reframing that thought into something that's more manageable and reasonable. Another thing that we can do to slow ourselves down during the day is to practice mindfulness. So mindfulness really helps us to recenter back into the moment, back into the present. Um, it's about recognizing what's happening around us and not spending too much time in the future, but also not spending too much time rehearsing the past and thinking about all of that. Mindfulness is being aware of how we feel in our bodies and everything that's happening around us. And we can practice that by grounding with sensory information. So if I were to do that right now, I would pay attention to what it feels like to sit in my chair. What is my breathing like? Um, but also pull in different sensory pieces, right? So what do I see in my office around me? What can I hear going on around me outside? So mindfulness is a great strategy to practice. And then we have several other things that we can do as well to help shift our mindset if we notice that we're moving into a place that we don't really like. Easy things to do are, for example, to try something that's new and spontaneous. So trying something new or spontaneous gives us an opportunity to create new feelings. Um, we can also take mental breaks from our work. That could mean a quick five minute walk or talking to someone for a couple minutes, but it's just recognizing that point where you're not really being productive and efficient anymore and giving yourself an opportunity for a breather. Connecting with someone that we care about is also very helpful. Um, just to 
bring about, again, a more positive emotion. And this could be a quick text message, phone call, email, just giving yourself the opportunity to say, hey, I was thinking about you, wanted you to know that you're on my mind. And that does help to generate some positive emotions and positive thoughts as well. We can make sure that we are scheduling in pleasurable activities uh, without guilt or shame. It's so important that we give ourselves, again, opportunities for positive feelings. Practicing gratitude is one that I really love to do because that helps us to think through what are the things, again, in our present that we're very appreciative of. Brightening someone else's day, just like we talked about with connectivity, is also really important. So we could try to be extra helpful to someone or do a random act of kindness to help connect us to the people around us. And then lastly, we want to think ahead to building in activities that we're excited and looking forward to treating ourselves to a couple minutes of self-care every day even more than a couple would be great but if you're tight on time a couple minutes makes a big difference and then with any of these goals or changes that we're talking about it's so important to start small pick one maybe two things that you want to practice or build into your week and just try to do it once a day or maybe even once or twice a week and then reward yourself and recognize that progress that you're making with doing those things over time that are going to keep us in balance. Next up, we have Dr. Olivia Gratz, a clinical psychologist who will be discussing the impact of sleep on your mental health and physical health. My name is Dr. Olivia Gratz, and I am a clinical psychologist at Corwell Health. Sleep is an incredibly important self-care behavior that often gets put on the back burner for other things. Sleep is critical for our physical and mental health, developing and maintaining immunity. You may notice that after one or more nights of poor sleep, that you have more anxious thoughts or your mood may be more negative. You might also notice that you have more trouble focusing. For children, Sleep is essential for brain development as well. Depending upon our age, how much physical activity we engage in, what kinds of demands are placed on us at home, work, school, or in our community, or if we are fighting illness, we may require different amounts of sleep. There are telltale signs that you are not getting enough sleep or that your sleep quality is poor. Do you take more than 30 minutes to fall asleep after getting into bed? Does your mind have trouble shutting down? Do you wake up regularly throughout the night and have trouble falling back asleep? Do you feel tired, have difficulty concentrating during the day? Or maybe you drink more caffeine in order to stay alert. Do you feel hungrier than you used to or feel more stressed or emotionally drained? If you said yes to those things, you are likely not getting enough sleep. When we have trouble sleeping, it can be very frustrating. There are actions that you can take for better sleep. Be sure to maintain a regular sleep schedule. Waking up and going to bed at the same time every day is particularly helpful. Our bodies have difficulty tolerating sleep schedule changes that are more than an hour different. So while I can understand wanting to sleep in on the weekends, Sleeping in an hour later on the weekend mornings will negatively affect your sleep. We want to pair our beds with sleep rather than lying awake frustrated. So be sure to only go to bed when you are feeling sleepy. 
If you are not able to fall back asleep, or if you have woken up in the middle of the night and are having trouble getting back to sleep, you can get out of bed. Again, we want to pair bed with sleep rather than tossing and turning or having stressful thoughts on our mind. So if you have not fallen asleep or returned to sleep within 15 minutes, get out of bed, do something calming or boring in dim lighting. Make sure not to use screens during this time. And then once you are sleepy, you can return to bed and try to sleep again. Avoid doing anything besides sleeping in bed. Remember how I said we want to pair bed with sleeping only? If we're watching television, reading books, or having lengthy conversations in bed, we are pairing our bed with those things rather than sleep. Relatedly, remove electronic devices like your television or computer from your bedroom. Exercise during the day can help induce sleep at bedtime. It can be helpful to avoid strenuous exercise right before trying to sleep. Develop a consistent nighttime routine before going to bed. A bedtime routine should involve the same three to four activities every night in the same order, and the activities should be calming and relaxing. It is helpful to start this routine an hour before bedtime. Practice regular relaxation to help yourself fall asleep or return back to sleep. For example, you might consider trying diaphragmatic breathing or breathing with your belly, focusing on slow breaths out. Finally, it can be helpful to avoid caffeine for at least eight hours before bed. You would also benefit from avoiding naps or lying in bed during the day. Try to turn off screens within one hour of bedtime. The light from electronics will make it harder for you to fall asleep or get deep restful sleep, even if you're able to fall asleep at the beginning of the night. As I previously mentioned, sleep is essential for both our physical and mental health. If it sounds like you're having trouble with sleep and you would like to make a change, try any of these small steps and see how they work for you. Thank you. Dr. Adele Kaju, a pediatric psychologist, shares tips on healthy nutrition habits and how they impact your well-being. Hi, I'm Dr. Kadju, pediatric psychologist. We know eating healthy is good for us, but we don't often think about how our eating habits affect our mental and emotional health. Our mind and our body is connected. So what we eat and when we eat doesn't just affect our body or just our physical health, it affects our whole health, our emotions and our whole well-being. So eating healthy gives our body the energy it needs to focus, to problem solve and deal with stress. And eating those foods that are high in sugars and fat, well, they might taste good and give us maybe a little boost momentarily, but then our energy crashes and we can actually feel worse. So let's start thinking about when we eat. Our bodies need to eat about every two and a half to three hours. When we go too long between our meals and snacks, our body has a harder time thinking and concentrating, has a harder time problem solving, and we can get a little bit irritable when we don't eat. So that time between lunch and dinner tends to be the longest period of time of not eating. So if you have an afternoon meeting, make sure you have a healthy snack. Kids coming home from school, give them a healthy snack too. We all perform better and we feel better when our body isn't hungry, but also 
make sure you sit down and enjoy your meals and snacks. Eating on the run, eating while we're doing an activity, it decreases our awareness of what we're eating and we're more likely to not feel very satisfied. When we are feeling stress or frustration or sadness, or when we have anxiety or depression, those negative mood states can trigger changes in our appetite. But for each of us, that change can be different. Some of us may experience a little decrease in appetite. Others may experience an increase. If your appetite decreases and you're just not eating as much as you used to or not as frequently as you used to, you might experience that irritability or those issues with focus and memory we just talked about. And that's on top of that sadness or that frustration or stress that you're already experiencing. So try to eat a little bit at each meal and snack time and talk to your doctor if this continues for more than a couple of weeks or if you start seeing some weight loss. But on the other hand, if your appetite increases because of that stress and frustration, all of that extra food you're eating is going to increase those negative emotions. So have a list of things you can do instead of eating and help your kids do the same. They get stressed out too and they get bored and they can eat when they're stressed and bored. So instead, direct them to an activity when they're asking for food, but it's not quite time to eat. You know, even when we're not having stress or anxiety, strong cravings for food can happen and they can really hit us hard. And of course, we don't crave those healthy foods. And a sugary treat like a candy bar or a donut, well, it might give us that slight boost initially, but you're gonna feel tired afterwards. And remember, those cravings are gonna pass whether we eat the food or not. So if you keep your cupboard stocked with all those foods that you or your kids crave, you're gonna eat those. But on the other hand, never allowing yourself to have that food isn't gonna be a good solution either. It's just gonna make you want it more. So instead, choose times when you're gonna enjoy a treat. And maybe instead of having a candy dish or a treat drawer that will tempt you throughout the day, make sure you have fruits or vegetables where you can see them and ready to eat. But if you still need a little sweetness, make it small, add a healthy food with it. You're gonna be more successful managing those cravings if you allow yourself to enjoy a small treat, at least occasionally. And finally, let's talk about movement and how it can help reduce depression and anxiety with Dr. Brittany Barber-Garcia, a clinical child and adolescent psychologist. I'm Brittany Barber-Garcia, and I am a board-certified clinical child and adolescent psychologist, and I work as a pediatric psychologist. We know that physical activity and exercise can improve health problems, such as high blood pressure, diabetes, and pain. But we also understand now that movement can really improve mental health problems, such as depression and anxiety. Here's a few of the pathways we know about so far. First, physical activity can ease symptoms to make you feel better. As many of us have heard, movement releases those feel-good endorphins, which helps you to feel better during or right after physical activity. In addition, movement you enjoy can provide a really healthy distraction from stressors. Another reason that we think that mental health can be improved by physical activity is by reducing the risk of recurrence of symptoms once you start to feel better. 
In addition, movement can also support mental health because it helps people to feel a sense of accomplishment, that they did something to promote their health and well-being, and that builds confidence that you are taking care of yourself, and we feel good about that. Last, we know that physical activity promotes energy during the day and increases appropriate feelings of fatigue at night, which can improve sleep initiation and maintenance or staying asleep once you've already fallen asleep. And this is also correlated with improved mood and decreased anxiety. We know that even short bursts of movement can not only help with energy, but also have the ability to help with cognitive skills such as concentration and focus and memory and thinking skills. So let's then break that down a little bit more. What kind of movement are we talking about? What kind of movement helps with mental health? There's really kind of two different types of, of different types of movement that can be helpful. The first is physical activity, and this is really any activity that works your muscles and requires energy. Examples could be simple household chores or grocery shopping or even things like gardening. The other type of physical activity is kind of routine and structured exercise. This is planned, repetitive body movements that really seek to improve or maintain physical fitness. Examples of this might be lifting weights a couple of times per week, going on a daily walk in the evening after dinner, or taking a weekly yoga class. So when it comes to exercise, many people just think of weight training or walking, but really there's so much more to it than that. There are four types of exercise training. The first is endurance training, and this is repetitive movement that really increases that heart rate, gets your blood pumping. The next type is flexibility. And this is where we're stretching regularly to improve that fluid and comfortable movement of our bodies. Another type of movement that can be really helpful, especially over time, is balance training. This is where we challenge our balance to improve coordination and prevent injuries and falls. The last type of, of exercise training, probably the one we're most familiar with, is strength training. And this is where we regularly use muscle groups to build strength for activities. And there's really more good news here, and that is that engaging in any types of exercise can really have all of the same benefits for mental health. With that said, not everyone loves the idea of regular exercise. And if you've been experiencing depression, you may be struggling to find the motivation to get going. So I would encourage you to start by identifying what you enjoy doing. Next, it's important to set reasonable goals. Your mission doesn't have to be walking for an hour five days a week. Think realistically about what you may be able to do and begin gradually. Related to this point though, it's important to try to not think of exercise or physical activity as a chore. If exercise becomes just another should in your life and something you don't think you're living up to, you'll associate it with failure. And you probably don't need a psychologist to tell you that that's not gonna do anything super helpful for your mental health. Next, it's important to analyze barriers and prepare for setbacks and obstacles. Figure out what's stopping you from being physically active or exercising. Finally, I just wanna encourage you to consider these questions on your own mental health journey. What kind of activity do you enjoy? If you don't know, try some new ones. Join a class through your local community resource center or search for a trail nearby and check it out on a sunny afternoon. And then pay attention to how you feel. You just might feel better. So we had excellent discussions on mental health, and I think what we realized is that mental health is really multifactorial. It's important to have good nutrition, make sure you're moving your body, shifting your mind uh, to mindfulness, 
And then really being mindful about sleeping, having enough sleep. Mental health is the core of all of our well-being. And so if you feel like you're struggling with a mental health problem, as many of us are these days, see your doctor and make sure you get the help that you need.